the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. From the heart of New York City and the tri-state area to the most active real estate hotspots across America. Keeping you plugged in to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news and legal developments to everything you need to know about buying or selling a property. Benefited by the advice of the experts. Now, here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to I Am Real Estate. Of course, I'm Dottie Herman, and we're so glad you're tuning in to listen to us today. As you know, I've always told you this, real estate is the universal language. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone always talks about it, no matter where you live, no matter what country you live in, no matter who you are. So, of course, we're going to be talking about it today, as we always do. I'll be joined by my show's co-host and resident legal expert, Attorney Stephen Ebert, a partner at the prestigious firm Catherine Casson. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning, Daddy. How are you? I'm good. I'm as good as I could be. I'm a little wiped out from Fourth of July. I had, a, I started out with 25 people, and don't ask me how I ended up with 60. That just came, but um, it was a. Good 4th of July, since I thought it was going to rain, and at least it didn't rain all day. How was your 4th of July? Well, it's nice. Well, first of all, Dottie, you know, if you have people crashing, that means the word's getting out, and it's a good party. So it's a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you something. When you're in the this word always gets out, and people always have house guests, so they bring whoever. So there was people that I wasn't even sure that I, I mean, I didn't, wasn't sure that I didn't know them. Um, but they were there. I even had somebody that, found out about it from somebody and he was I said I don't think I know you and he said no but you do know me on Facebook I said well that's good at least I know you're on Facebook I said um, you're handsome in Facebook but I said you're better looking in person so <laughs> it, it, but it was a nice of the, two, of the two options that's the better one <laughs> yes of course imagine if I said the other but anyhow yeah. we're going to have a great show for you today Steve and I are going to talk a little about some um, commercial buildings that are being proposed to be in the city, and we're then going to talk a little about congestion, um, congestion trafficking, and how they're going to do that in New York, and what that means to people. I mean, we'll probably go into it further as we go along because they're debating certain things on it. But we'll give you a read on, on what they're looking to charge and how that's going to work. Um, so we will talk about that. Of course, the big news today is interest rates, and uh, they, they went up, and how that's impacting our, our sales across the country. And um, a lot of you, you know, Stephen and I get a lot of questions from not only clients, but from a lot of you that email us, so we're going to try to answer some of the, the questions that we see come to our desk the most. Um, and, uh, okay, then, of course, we have later on, okay, uh, we're going to have at 11 o'clock, we will be joined by the global traveler, Francis Gallagher, 
and Francis is an owner and publisher of Business Traveler and Global Travelers. He's going to discuss where everybody's going because everybody's going this year somewhere. Um, there's some with the pandemic, and he'll talk about where they're going and some of the best flights to take and some of the ways you can save some money. And at 11.30, and it's been in all the papers, so I think it's timely, we'll be joined by Frank Quivito, and he's uh, the director of South Fork National History. And I don't know if you know, but I think it's Shark Week next week. And the headlines have been sharks, sharks, sharks. And as I talked to him, he said it's not sharks, sharks, sharks. It's an encounter with them. And he's going to really educate us on really the, the, not the hype about sharks, but the actual facts about sharks. And uh, he said they're not so, it's not as bad as he said the papers make them sound like they're, uh, you know, really crazy and this and that. And I said, well, there might be some nice sharks, but I still wouldn't want to be next to one of them swimming. But, okay, so he'll be on. I, I, I got to say, Daddy, and I'm not saying this as a lawyer, but, you know, and I'm not too worried about the sensitivities of sharks, you know. Keep, it, <laughs> keep a nice amount of distance. I'll tell you what, you know, I'm not going to swim a mile out. You get the Atlantic. Don't leave us alone at the beach. Right. Well, they saw them on Jones Beach, if I'm not mistaken. But um, yeah. he's going to talk about that. So that's all interesting news. But um, I'm, I hear, and you know, that um, I hear that Brookville's uh, going to put a massive, uh, they a massive purchase, and they're going to put a, a housing unit in the Bronx. It's going to be 1,300 housing units, new retail and community space. Um, to an area that the city has long suffered from this investment and strange relationships between landlords and the community. So I think that's a good thing. And this is going to be the largest major private investment in 2018. Um, they're going to spend $165 million on two parcels, 2401 3rd Avenue and 101 Lincoln Avenue and $1 billion more on construction. So this is a pretty big project, and it's in their second phase. And these apartments are going to have um, a basketball court, two-story fitness centers, 60-foot lap pool, roof decks, children's room, and a reservable gourmet kitchen. And residents are moving into the first phase already. Um, they will have three towers. And, of course, um, 30% of the apartments, and I believe there's going to be about 1,300 apartments, 30% of them are income restricted. So, you know, if you qualify by having a lower income, you can put in an app application, uh, which I believe a lot of people have done already. They're going to be affordable, and you have to qualify. So if you want to go on the Internet, you can look it up and see, um, you know, if you qualify because they are going to be beautiful apartments. Um, the priciest units are going to be about 7000 but the affordable ones will be fairly inexpensive. So it's something that if you haven't heard about and you're interested, you should check it out. Um, you hear anything about Penn Station? They're going to kind of revamp that? Did you hear anything about that, Steve? Well, yeah, Sadi. So it's interesting. They, they first were going to have some very grand plans of really – a total redevelopment of the area, including knocking down a number of the commercial buildings. And uh, Vernado is going to be really one of the lead uh, developers there. 
And then earlier this year, it became clear that was not going to come to fruition. Yeah, they backed out. So it's interesting. You know, it's it's not done yet. I think there's a little bit of a pause. There has been a number of property owners that have pushed back and said, well, if there's not going to be this whole expansion with Penn Station, possibly moving Madison Square Garden, and it's just eminent domain of certain already existing buildings, that should not be allowed. And, Dottie, this gets into a bigger conversation and when you have some of these economic redevelopment projects on how municipalities have used condemnation to actually redevelop an area. And so it has well, to be... Well, maybe you should explain public. to everyone what condemnation yeah, yeah, exactly. is. Yeah, so, so and let me guess, guess the finish. It has to have a public purpose behind it. And so what happens is you can't just favor one developer over another. And, right. and so what happens is the government has tools, and there's a lot of litigation over the years uh, on this, um, both pro and con. And it, it really talks about how having this greater public good, because sometimes you can have a little private parcel holdout, right? And, and so now if the project's going to change, the basis on whether the government has the right to do it or not um, has changed. Right, a good example has, so that's going to be something to watch. But I'll give you a good example because it can be an esoteric thing. Is sort of the Second Avenue subway line, right? To create the Second Avenue subway line, they had to create entrances to some of the stations along Second Avenue. So the government has used that power of eminent domain to take portions of buildings to get entrances. Now, they have to give just compensation and give it quickly, um, but that that's part of this conversation. So that's a clear public, you know, public interest of access to a subway station. A little bit different if you're picking one developer and one building over another that already exists. So, you know, yeah, more to watch out it, over there. I think it's definitely a, a conversation to continue. Yeah. It, right now, though, it doesn't. It doesn't really look like um, they. It doesn't really look like. Um, it, they, they don't know how they're going to fund it. If Bernardo doesn't come back to the table, or another developer doesn't, um, the governor Hotchell said, and uh, they. It's unclear on how they're going to go forward and get the money. They're going to ask for, for federal money, but I don't know how much the federal government. Has been, I, I haven't seen really be overly generous to New York, but we'll see. So that's in the works, but we don't know. We, you know, we, it's got a long way to go. Let's put it that way. But it's something that they're working on, and we'll keep you exactly. Well, definitely. And I think, Dottie, with it, it has to do with really the ridership and revenue there too. So there's a lot of moving parts on it. And, and then it gets into our bigger conversation, which we're going to be talking more about, uh, I think, today and also next week on just, you know, office occupancy and, and returning to work and those numbers and what makes sense. Right. And when you're doing a special show next week on that, correct? On office occupancy. And... It, it, we are, Dottie, and we have a great slew of guests. We have one of the leading persons in commercial real estate finance. Uh, Lauren Kaufman from Cushion Wakefield. We have a 
president and CEO of a suburban real estate brokerage, Brackow Group, up in Westchester. And then we have the head of commercial real estate in New York City for Keller Williams to give more of a, a city version. So we're going to have a city versus suburbs. We're going to have what's going on with the deals versus financing and then wrap it all together um, because this ties in so much to all the different issues that we talk about regularly and affects our listeners. So, yeah, next Saturday. Looking forward to it. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing all that, too. That's pretty uh, interesting stuff. By the way, New York City has, uh, in the last month or two, become safer. Uh, you know, I don't have the article in front of me, but I read it. Uh, you know, murders are down. You know, crime is down. People are kind of settling back to normal. And, you know, people talk about New York City, and sometimes they trash it. But just to show you how much, you know, in demand, I mean, they're not back yet. They have a ways to go. I think they've come back a long way from where they were. Um, but we just, when I say we, uh, we just, we were part of the sale, but we just had a $50 million Soho penthouse become one of the priciest sales in downtown Manhattan. It was an off-market deal. It was roughly 10,000-square-foot unit on Wooster Street, 151 Wooster, and it was the most expensive home sales ever closed in downtown Manhattan. It was a penthouse, and it traded, you know, uh, it was was just a huge deal, and and it's, you know, big, and they set up, you know, a limited liability company, and... um, I mean, when you look at the price, $50 million, people are still, you know, seeing opportunities and uh, taking them. Um, and, you know, we I think you and I talked about it yesterday. Um, and we're seeing, like, a resurgence of young people really come to the city, which is really good. Um, you know, when you're young, you know, the city, at least when I was young, I always went into the city. It was like, you know, a place I wanted to be. And I think that you're seeing that continue to happen. I, I know friends of mine from all over the country, their kids are in the city, and they're like, I'm like, oh, I'll be the mom if they, if they ever need me. But, um, you, you know, you see young people love the city, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really coming along. And, again, I think everything is depending on the unit itself, where it is, how it's constructed. Now, you live in Westchester. What are you seeing in Westchester in that area as far as prices? And, so and, and it's really activity. interesting. You know, Dottie, this is one of those where if you average things out, you're going to get one conclusion, but I think you'll get a false one. Um, and what I'm seeing is that certain price points are very busy. Certain ones are not busy. Right. I'm seeing certain geographic areas busy, certain other geographic areas not. So... Right. If, so if you look at the market report that just came out, I'm going to go back to the city for a second. I'll go back to, to Westchester. Um, you know, you'll see Manhattan was down with about 35% or so just based on transaction volume, not pricing, but just on transaction volume. Okay, so that already knows. I just want to clarify that to you. When, when Steve and I are talking, prices is one thing. So the prices could go up, okay, Volume is the amount that's sold. So we're not seeing, we're seeing the prices are fairly strong, but the amount of inventory sold has not been what it was the year before. Exactly. Exactly. And and thanks for clarifying. And what's interesting is that in some areas, we're really seeing a lot of bidding wars. 
and we're seeing at certain price points a lot of bidding wars. And I would say a lot of entry-level properties, properties that are under like one and a half million dollars, like that that price point, um, we're seeing a, a you know a, a property that's well positioned, priced right, will move very very quickly. And then as you start to go up for a bit, then I think properties are, are sitting longer. And I think also people are attentive to the other supplementary costs of certain properties. So, for example, um, how are the property taxes? How are the monthly fees for the condo association or co-op? Um, and, and the level of renovation that they're going to have to go through. Um, and so they're looking at properties a, a little bit differently. And so, and that also is driving part of it. And then, of course, we have the interest rate conversation. I think it's affecting the market more in in the inventory point of view than buyers. Yes, there are some buyers who feel priced out; their buying power has gone down. But I think a lot of buyers are of the belief that either they'll catch up, or that maybe a year to two down the line rates will come down. So I think that that's something that's not what's holding people back. I think the biggest issue in the suburbs is that you have people who are not selling their property, not getting the inventory up there because there's no economic advantage to sell, downsize, and then trade their 3% mortgage for a 6% mortgage. Right. And And, and they haven't saved anything. Yeah, they're going to lose money. So if you got a sweetheart mortgage during the pandemic at three percent, you'd be crazy to sell it because you're gonna, you know, the interest rate for now, at you know, depending on where you go, some are six point eight one, and some I read are seven point two, um, but the average rate on popular, you know, is you know around seven, and that's the highest point since early November. So for a home buyer taking out a $400,000 mortgage, the monthly payment of principal and interest rose from 2720 to 2637 just a week. Um, the rates have begun rising last week, and we're not sure if they're going to go up again. They've done a lot with inflation, they say, as far as, you know, certain things, but as far as food prices, they're still high. And the Congress is going to meet on June, I believe, July, excuse me, July 26th and decide if they're going to hike interest rates again. Um, But as you said, basically the people that have 3% interest rates have basically golden handcuffs. They're not really, even if they want to move, they kind of would be like nutty to move. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to, you know, I, I'm not sure. We're, we're guessing on um, on whether or not they are going to go up again or not. We'll see. But I will tell you, because of the rising rates, that has a direct impact on mortgage demand. And so um, mortgage rates last week hit their highest level as far as prices. Um, but the volume, the amount of mortgages that were taken out, with love. But again, we're in the summer, so we have the summer doldrums. I know we have a break coming up. I'm going to give you a quick synopsis on the rental market in case you still want to get a summer rental. Um, as soon as we come right back after we have a quick commercial. 
And we'll be right back talking about what's available for summer rentals for a week if you register. AM 970 The Answer is bringing Dr. Lederman's expertise in alternative cancer treatments to prime time every Monday night at 7. Dr. Lederman is triple board certified in radiation oncology, medical oncology, and internal medicine and is the first physician to perform non-invasive body radio surgery in the Western Hemisphere. On an outpatient basis, no hospitals, no cutting, no bleeding. Radio surgery takes minutes, is painless, non-invasive, and usually very well tolerated. Join Dr. Lederman Monday night at 7 on AM 970 The Answer. Feel like you're trying to push a boulder uphill wearing skates? If you run or manage a local business today, you're challenged like never before. We get it, and we want to help. We're Salem Surround, and when it comes to marketing, consider us your personal move-you-forward company. In a recent study, we found that 53% of local businesses were classified as novices when it came to designing, implementing, and managing their marketing needs. And that's where Salem Surround truly shines. We're a full-service marketing agency that'll help you increase your customer base by designing incredibly effective plans to reach your consumers day, night, and everywhere they might be. Let us give you an absolutely free audit of your current marketing and what your competition is doing. Our digital sales and support teams are the best in the industry and deliver customized personal service that's second to none. If you're a local business and ready for the next step, Google Salem Surround New York right now. Our experts are ready to help you take your marketing to the next level. Google Salem Surround New York today. This is Dennis Prager. Now you can listen to my show when it's convenient for you and without censorship from big tech, become a member of the ultimate online community for all things Prager. It's PragerTopia Unlimited. Listen to the show on demand when it's easiest for you. This includes every radio show, every segment, and every guest over the last 10 years, and it's commercial free. You can even share your favorite segments with your friends. Plus, you'll get the same email from Alan Estrin that I receive every night about the most important important issues to read about. PragerTopia Unlimited members can also listen to every program, lecture, and course that is in the Prager store. Thousands of hours. You can even listen to all my Torah teachings for free. Share my passion for free speech. Join today and save 25% off the first year and get a free PragerTopia coffee mug. It's all things Prager, PragerTopia Unlimited. Go to PragerTopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. I'm Ferenc Toth, host of the Your Personal Bank Show. I use common sense as an entrepreneur, financial literacy educator, and speaker to understand how current events affect our money, economy, and our freedom. Grow your money safely, reduce taxes, increase returns, and create positive arbitrage with Your Personal Bank. Tune in to the Your Personal Bank Show Saturdays at 4 p.m. or contact Ferenc at yourpersonalbank.com. The Your Personal Bank Show Saturdays at 4 p.m. Joe on the radio telling me about the MyPillow 2.0. Boom! MyPillow 2.0. Mike hit it out of the park. I gotta tell you something. You know, the MyPillow is great. It's, it's just like great, but right? Then Mike goes, hey, they got this new fabric that dissipates heat and humidity. Hey, they got this new fabric technology that helps regulate your body temperature. Hey, you know what? Mike came out with a MyPillow 2.0. He's so excited about it. You can buy one and get one free. Buy one and get one free. And here's the number, 800-651-0798. 800-651-0798. You can go to the radio listener specials page at MyPillow.com 60 day money back guarantee made in America, 10 year warranty machine washable and dryable the MyPillow 2.0, you buy one you get one free, promo code is Joe P 
800-651-0798. Don't miss this incredible opportunity for Mike Lindell to buy one, get one free on the new MyPillow 2.0. MyPillow.com, promo code Joe P. Listen to AM 970, The Answer on Alexa. Tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey.com. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. I'm back with my co-host, Stephen Everett. And um, just in case you're interested, there are still spots to find the season um, for rentals. Now, it was a slow season for rentals compared to what it was the year before. I don't like to compare anything to the pandemic uh, because I think it's an unfair analysis because the pandemic, everybody moved somewhere, everybody got around. So, um, But it started to be slow, but there, you know, um, it's picked up, and at least um, Fire Island and the Hamptons and the North Fork um, still have stuff available. So if you're looking for a week and you're looking at Fire Island, there are things available. You could get something, um, a weekly, a full house, a big big size house, really, in Fire Island for about $4,500 for a week, and there, there's stuff available. You could even, if you're lucky, find something for 4000 uh, Hampton's a little bit different. Hampton's what's left, and it looks like the Hamptons all be inexpensive. And when I say inexpensive, nothing's inexpensive in the Hamptons, but the less expensive properties all are gone. I mean, you really have to know somebody. Um, what's on the market and what's really uh, slow are the expensive houses that are rents, you know, are renting, like the... Uh, Houses are renting for a hundred thousand per season. And by the way, when you're looking at rentals in the Hamptons, usually a rental goes for about five percent of what the sales price would be. But those are having a slower because a lot of people are traveling. Um, as we'll find out later when we speak to our guests. A lot of people, because the pandemic finally has, you know, ended, have decided to go to Europe or other places and are not, um, renting close to home or, you know, like whether it be the Jersey Shores or the Hamptons. So you're seeing, you know, rentals, you know, at the higher end that, that oh, you know, slowing up. But And the North Fork rentals uh, are pretty good. You can get, you still can get things and uh, you can get, but those rentals have gone up. But you can get a whole season for less than a hundred thousand dollars, and uh, or you know fifty if you really look. Uh, so it's not too late. And what happens really with rentals is if somebody's counting on renting their home and they didn't rent it yet, they're likely to maybe give you a break now because the season's already started, July fourth passed. So it's a good time to really look for rentals if you are so you know so desire to get one. And by the way, congratulations, Cooper's Beach, which is in Southampton, was the third top beach in the country, which really is pretty, it's um, third again, and it's been up there all the time. It's number three, and uh, it's usually number two, three, or four. And I'm trying to see if there's anything else in New York. No, it, it's Cooper's Beach is the only one that made the top Ten in New York. You have a couple in Florida, a couple in California. Of course, you have Hawaii, and I think one in Cape Cod. But Cooper's Beach um, is the nation's third best beach. 
And I tell California all the time, your beaches are terrible compared to the ones we have here. So all is good. So besides for interest rates, and we were saying that, you know, we were talking, you and I, Steve, on the phone yesterday, and we were trying to decide whether we think, because people ask us all the time and they ask me, are we in a buyer's or a seller's market? And I'm not really sure. I think Steve hit it on the nail. I think that it's very regional, and I think it's very specific to the type of house. And I know that people like things done today, so if you're um, going to sell your house, there's a few things that I would suggest you do before you sell it. Now, I wouldn't renovate the whole house, but I would, you know, get it tidied up. But I'm not sure we're in a buyer's or a seller's market. I'm not sure it's either or. I mean, what's your opinion, Stephen? Yeah, I think that is, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, I like to call this, and I know I've used this term before, I like to call it a broker's market. I think a you have a seller's market when things generally move quickly. You have a buyer's market when there's a lot more negotiability. Here, it's a matter of having the right advice and the right specific analysis. Because, again, you, you think it's the also the price one. point. Absolutely. And, and there's you know, no I one think that obviously the cheaper things are, the more in demand they are. Whether it's in New York, whether it's in the Hamptons, wherever it is, um, it's, you know, People want to get in at, at, at a decent price. I, I agree with you. I don't know that um, the interest rate rates made a big difference because we still have a shortage of housing. We had a shortage. Go, we've had a shortage for a bunch of years. So this is not a recent thing. It's we had a shortage before the pandemic, and now that's multiplied. And then, as Steve talked about before, with these people that got three percent mortgages. They're not going to be selling their houses to, to, to go to a 6 or a 7% mortgage. So that inventory is basically off the market. So because of the shortages, and this is not only in New York or Connecticut or Tri-State, this is pretty much across most of the country. I'm sure there are certain areas, but for most part across the country, we have a shortage of inventory. There are more buyers yeah. looking for inventory than there's inventory that's out. And that creates a seller's market where, you know, when you don't have inventory, that's why the prices really haven't come down um, in most places or they're kind of steady. They're not rising 20% or anything like that, but they're pretty steady. You're not going to get any, you're not, you know, unless you get really lucky and you just hit somebody at the right time, you know, you're not really going to find steals out there. But you, as I think I said last week, you can try to negotiate, and, you, and when you're negotiating, remember terms are important. Sometimes you have great terms that a person might take your deal over somebody that's higher because the terms work better for them, so you should never forget terms. So, Stephen, what I, I, was, I wanted to do today is, between your clients, what are some of the questions that you get asked most? Because... I always tell people, when you ask me a question, don't feel foolish because a million people probably have the same question. They just didn't ask it. So what do you, what are, what are your clients or friends and clients asking you most about the market? Yeah, I think a, a few things is, number one is how do I actually properly prepare for this market? Now let's talk See? buyer side for a second. Yeah, let's talk, Dottie, can you hear me? 
The, the uh, let's talk. Can, can you hear me? Okay. Um, the uh, we're talking about Hello? the buy. We're talking about the buyer side first, and then we're going to get to the seller side. Yeah, uh, I think I lost you. Buyer side. I don't know. I okay, no, we're, I'm here. I'm here, Dottie. Uh, you know, the, the again, it's all. It's all. But let me go back for a second. It's all. We'll start with the buyer side, then go to the seller side. Okay. Okay, so first, the it's about being prepared. What do they have to line up, and how do they be successful? And to me, preparation is key. When you think about putting in an offer, having your ownership structure thought about, having your funds ready, thinking about when your lease ends and your housing needs and your timing, to me, all that should be thought about before you start looking at properties. Because once you look at a house and you say, oh, my goodness, that's a great house, I think it's the right one for me. But you haven't planned out your budget. You haven't planned out your schedule. You're approaching it the wrong way. And so many times I see people, you know, try to find the house first and then figure out the details later. Because what you don't want to do is get your hopes up for something that's really not possible to make a deal on. So very important point number one over there. The other thing is people aren't always realistic about the time it takes to find. Now, this will vary if you're going to be looking for more of a standard one- to two-bedroom in a neighborhood with a lot of inventory, or you want to have a certain kind of house in a certain neighborhood um, with a certain school. But it can take months. And keep in mind that most closings, even if the buyer and seller are generically on the same page to let's just close as soon as possible in the ordinary course. If you're going to get a loan, it's still going to be 60 days, and if you're getting a condo and especially a co-op, it's going to be longer and closer to 90. And that's assuming you're in alignment on timing. And so people start looking when they have three months left on a lease, they start looking. And that's, in my opinion, too late, and people are really running into... I need temporary housing. I got to try to cut a deal with my landlord. Not enough time to put that together. So really, get your timing and your things in a row before you even start actually putting in those offers. Absolutely well, critical to be successful. Going along those lines, Steve, the question people ask me is: Okay, you're talking about renting, and of course, you know, you would try to make some deal with your landlord, even if you have to pay him a little bit extra. Um, but what? What people ask me all the time is if you're selling a home and you're buying at the same, and you haven't sold your home yet, should you go into, uh, and then you find the house that you love, okay, what should you do? And I think Well, I think we, we yeah, have I mean, we're going to write the commercial and we'll cover that right after the break. Yeah, it'll be like... Hi, it's Arthur Idala. Let's talk about my friends at Bay Ridge Honda because they are kicking off July 4th savings by saving you $1,500. That's how much you get when you turn in your trade or lease and purchase your next car with the Sabah family at Bay Ridge Honda. They've been your family-owned and operated dealer for over 60 years. Browse from over 200 new Honda vehicles and over 100 certified pre-owned vehicles backed by the Honda True Program at their 2022 President's Award winning dealership. And right now, get zero 
0% APR financing and zero down payment on select new 2023 Honda models all month long. Plus, receive $1,500 when you turn in your trade or lease when you purchase your next car with them. Even if you don't buy a car from them, they want to buy your car. So visit them at 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn or online at BayRidgeHonda.com. That's BayRidgeHonda.com. Available to qualified buyers. Additional fees may apply. See dealer for details. Ends 7-30-23. On 9-11, people lost their lives. And today, 9-11 related illnesses continue to take lives. Yet, an entire generation knows little to nothing about our nation's darkest day. The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is righting this wrong by educating kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about 9-11 with scripted social studies lessons, activities, and background for teachers. A speaker's bureau for classrooms with access to 9-11 first responders, survivors, and loved ones. A mobile exhibit, a tractor trailer that's an interactive museum with 9-11 artifacts. And Russell F. Siller, Memorial Scholarships for the Children of Program Recipients. We must educate future generations. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. It's T, the number 2, T. Over the past 20 years, a quiet revolution has transformed medicine. Many conditions that once required major surgery can now be treated with procedures that are far less invasive and often far more effective. Are you aware of these alternatives? Join Dr. Dan Simon for All Things Health, where he discusses cutting-edge medical advances that are providing alternatives to traditional surgery. Dr. Simon is an experienced interventional radiologist who has helped thousands of patients experience dramatic improvements, all without traditional surgery. Dr. Simon will explain latest medical breakthroughs so you can be fully aware of your options. Listen to All Things Health on AM 970 The Answer on Sundays and Saturdays on AM 570 and 102.3 FM The Mission WMCA. Have questions? Call Dr. Simon at 1-844-534-3621 or visit allthingshealth.ai or listen to All Things Health on AM 970 The Answer on Sundays and AM 570 102.3 FM The Mission WMCA on Saturdays. To learn more, visit All AllThingsHealth.ai. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or Odyssey.com. They call him the King, World Series hero, Jimmy Leritz. And they call the cop with over 100 years of law enforcement in his family's blue blood, Tommy Suttner. Together, they are the King and the Cop. Talking about all things cop talk, current events, sports, entertainment, and more. Joined by Robin DeLore, America's favorite Jersey girl. Listen to The King and the Cop, weekdays at noon on AM 970. The answer. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back, and uh, before the break, we were in the middle, Stephen and I, talking about what happens if you have a home for sale, you haven't sold it yet, and you are looking for a house in the interim, and you find something that you love, but you haven't sold your home yet. What should you do? Yeah, Dottie, you know, timing is always the biggest trouble for a lot of people, and it's very difficult to get it just right. 
And when you're going into a transaction, one, you have to get understand the ranges. You have to also build in some extra cost because you may have to cover two properties. But the biggest one I want to get to is a lot of times when people sell and they've owned their property for a long time, they're these long-time homeowners that have a ton of equity in the property, but they need to have that sold to buy the next one. So here's a few things to keep in mind that have changed. Number one, generally speaking, for your primary residence, bridge loans don't exist anymore. You know, there used to be, decades ago, banks that were willing to give you that temporary bridge loan so that way you could buy your new place, have a loan to cover, and then once you sold um, the house right. that you own, that bridge loan would be paid off. They really exist more in commercial lending, hard money lending as we call it, not really for your primary residence. The other thing to keep in mind is that once you put a home on the market for sale, banks will generally not give you a loan. So if all of a sudden you list your property, you find a buyer even before you go into contract, you say, oh, geez, um, I'm going to need the money for my purchase. Let me do a quick refinance, and then I'll close my sale later. That way I have the money for the purchase. Once the bank see that your home is listed for sale, they're immediately going to decline that loan because the banks, it actually costs them quite a bit of money to make a loan, and usually the banks need a number of months just to break even given the cost of doing a loan. So they're generally not going to do that loan if the home's been on the market. They're going to need a cool-down period when it's off. So what is some what is one to do? Well, one example is to sell, move into temporary housing, and then restart your look, which has some other costs, right, for people. You know, you're going to have to move twice, pay some rent, deal with that. Who are you, you know, it's things. Yeah, things are going to be stored. Yeah, you're going to store a lot of your furniture. I'm not, you're not going to find a, you know, probably a place that's really big because it's only temporary. So there exactly. So that that's not a great solution. So what? So there are two solutions that we see people doing. Um, one, which I'm not going to spend a lot of time on, and it depends on the situation. Maybe you can get what's called a home equity line of credit, a second loan. Um, to cover some of that, but that may not financially fully work. But the other one, which is very popular, and this is the one I want to focus in on because it affects the buyer too, is what we call a post-closing possession agreement, where normally at a closing, when we have a closing, the seller gets their money, the buyer is the owner, and the buyer moves in. Well, a post-closing possession does two out of three. The seller gets their money, the buyer becomes the owner, and then for a defined period of time, the owner can stay there and pay rent back to the buyer. Now, that could then free up the money to allow the, the seller to actually buy the next place and do a single-shot move. And these are relatively common. What do I mean by relatively common? It, it happens in a minority number of deals, not a majority of deals, but it happens enough that People in this industry are aware of them. You want to be very careful if you're a buyer um, because you want to make sure that seller gets out and gets out on time, right, because you have your move to do. So you want to build in protection clauses. And, Dottie, you also want to be careful. What if an incident happens? What if somebody slips and falls? 
water damage, a storm, a fire, right? So you want to make sure that these agreements are well thought out um, and not done at the last second. Um, but wow. this is something that we, you know, definitely use to solve it for the seller and sometimes even to help out the buyer too, which I'll mention in a second, but go ahead. But more important than that, Stephen, as you said, um, you know, when you do that, and if you are lucky that you have um, a seller that can, you know, can, can doesn't have to be somewhere and can stay and rent it for a while, you have to really be careful and get an attorney to write that agreement up because I've watched it happen where a buyer, you know, let the seller stay longer because they needed them to stay longer and pay rent. And then there was a problem, like maybe something broke down or they did something to the house that was not, you know, they said that they destroyed something or, you know, an appliance broke down. So I think it's really important if that's what you're going to do to not, as you said, not just the buyer and the seller kind of just work it out, you know, flimsily on a piece of paper. I think you really should have an attorney work that agreement out for you, covering anything that might go wrong. Absolutely. I mean, you got to. And the thing is, and the mistake I see with some attorneys is they literally write that sometimes at the closing table on a legal pad. When we do it, we like to have it pre-written. We have an agreement that factors in a lot of things. Um, sometimes, depending upon the situation, they, the terms are already negotiated as part of the sales contract, which is the best way, right? Because... What you try to do is whenever you negotiate, you don't wait until the other party has leverage over you. You really want to try to plan in advance. But, Daddy, what's interesting about this, and it's come, and one of the reasons that the rent back or the post-closing possession, it's the same thing, has also made a resurgence, too, with this year, is because of interest rates. A lot of times, sellers will say, look, I'm within my rights to delay the closing, and I don't necessarily need the money. But I don't want to close yet because I'm not ready because of my other transaction. So sometimes as a buyer will say, hey, can you do us a favor and let's have a closing and then we'll give a rent back. And the reason is, Dottie, is if someone's about to have a mortgage rate lock that's going to expire, what the bank cares oh, is not when you move in, it's when you close. And sometimes what we'll do is we'll give the sellers a couple of weeks rent back so we don't miss a rate lock and don't, don't have that expire. So that's another yeah, factor yeah. to keep in mind. And, and you know, I don't see this happen much now, but I used to see it happen where rates, especially if rates are climbing, whereas if they don't get the rate lock, you know, or the rate lock expired, and let's say interest rates went up, and now they're at a different interest rate, and they might not even qualify for the property. So well, that's a know, big issue that could, yeah, and that's I mean, and, and, and you, you, if I can just one thing, that's a it's an excellent point. Whenever you get your commitment letter um, from a bank, and that's before closing, that's the contract that the bank will lend you the money. In every commitment letter, Dottie, and, and you're exactly right, it will say in there that the buyer is qualified up to a certain rate, and if it turns out that the rate at closing exceeds that. The bank, even though they've already approved the loan and said they would close, are within their rights to say we're not going to do the deal because they think now the payment's gotten too big for the borrower. So you got to read the commitment letter and see how much of room you have 
between the rate you are getting under the lock, but how much you're approved for. a question, Stephen. Let's assume that was a situation between us. And let's say uh, I was selling you my house and um, the house wasn't ready and the, and the rates went up and I didn't qualify. Okay, what happens then? Does, does the buyer still get the house or does the... Uh, well... Well, I have that, nowhere to move. <laughs> well, the, 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 the answer is it depends. Um, and I know people hate when lawyers give that kind of answer, but it depends on how the contract is written. You know, this is where, you know, sometimes people say, oh, why are these contracts so long, right? It's just a simple sale. And, you know, I've, I've, I've told clients, I said, if everything in life goes perfect, right, and, and how often does everything go perfect? It doesn't. I go, but if every real estate deal is perfect, the contract would be one page. Hi, I'm Steve. Hi, I'm Dottie. I'm buying. I'm selling the price, the loan. Really? When are we going to close? And, and here's what's included. There's your contract, right? I know. And, and let me say this. I've said it a million times to everyone. That's why I tell everyone, don't use your son-in-law who's a divorce attorney who thinks, uh, you know, that a real estate contract is so easy to do because you really want to use someone like Steve is from that specialized in real estate because a lot of these attorneys, and I've seen it, it's not that they're bad attorneys, but they specialize in something else and they don't know some of the nuances. And although this doesn't happen every day of the week, okay, it's not that common that it happens, but you don't want to be the one person that happens to and you're not covered. And, Daddy, I just want to finish up the point that you mentioned, too, what can happen. Well, worst case, the buyer could lose their deposit because depending upon how that mortgage contingency is written, um, once they get that commitment letter, their right to cancel because they can't get the loan is gone. So if you, it, it all depends on people say, oh, just go by the form contract. Well, I'm telling you, even today in 2023, I see some attorneys using forms from the 1980s. I mean, literally, that's like, that's like saying, oh, it's not the difference between iPhone 14 and iPhone 12. It's the difference between a cordless phone and a rotary dial phone on the wall, right? <laughs> that's what we're talking about. And so why on earth would you use a contract that literally was designed in a period where most people did not have a computer Forget about laptops, cell phones, iPads. They didn't even have computers, the average person at home, when the, some of those forms were written. And so the laws evolved, life has evolved. So you got to be very, very careful what's being used and what the protections are. Now, this is where I think the art of being an attorney is the deal-making element. And you got to know your client. Do I have a first-time home buyer who... If the closing costs are two or three thousand dollars more, they might have a problem. Or do I have a client who's getting a mortgage because they'd like a loan, but could write a check tomorrow to buy the whole place? We have a totally different risk analysis. And what I tell clients is that every deal has risk. There is no such thing as a deal with zero risk. My job as the attorney is to identify the risks, explain it to you, and make them tolerable for you, but it's never zero. Well, it's never zero, but there, 
there are higher, you know, there are certain risks that are higher, and that's why people, even though technically you could put down 5% or 10%, technically in many cases, um, that that when people don't have a lot of extra money, um, unless you can show that I'm only putting 10% down, uh, but I do have extra money, if you run into a, 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 you know, some kind of a problem, you won't have the money to really fix it. So um, people prefer um, when you're looking at deals and you're looking at somebody who has more cash down, the more cash somebody has down, the safer the deal is for the uh, seller. Let me put it that way. So, you know, if you have two deals, one's a little higher, but the other one has a lot more cash down, I would say, you know, you have to weigh that all out because that does make a difference if there's a problem. If there's no problem, then then, then it doesn't. Um, but if there happens to be a problem, it could be, you know, things. And then I know even with my house, uh, when I bought my first house, there was a porch they put on the back, and they, weren't, they never got COs for them. And so a lot of times they'll hold up the actual closing. I mean, they'll let, they'll let you move in, but you'll have like a tendency to, to perform and get a close, you know, get COs. And that's another thing that you need to look at when you're doing a house. If someone did work and they didn't get it done with a legal CO, um, you, you really want that to be, you want them to like, in other words, even if they did themselves, if, if it were me, I, you know, it was an electrician or they used their friend and they don't have real CEOs, I would have them do it over again. I wouldn't want to buy something that didn't have legal CEOs because then you, then if there's something wrong, you're stuck. So there's a lot that goes into it and I think sometimes people make home sales sound much easier because if you have a good attorney, they usually go fairly smoothly. Uh, but you know, every but you know, you don't want to be one of the people that it doesn't go, that doesn't happen for. Um, and so timing is everything. And if you have a seller that you have a good rapport with, I think that's really important that you know, the and, and to attorneys that are good, they'll try to help you negotiate that. You know, something that works for both people. Well, I think Daddy, we're you know, coming to the end of the first hour. Oh so. yes, God just. Time flies. Time flies. So now we're not going to hear from you next week. Well, we'll hear from you next week, maybe not the week before. You're going to pick your kids up from the camp. But listen, have a wonderful week. But next, but next, thank you. Next week we do have the big uh, guest on commercial real estate. Yes, yes. And we're going to have, we're going to talk about chores and sauce and what's going on with them. And we're going to be talking with Francis um, Gallagher, talking about where people are going to and where they're traveling to. We have a great second half coming up, so stay tuned right after the news. We'll be right back. It's the Giant Real Estate. We'll be back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.